Hello, friends. It's Friday. It's <laughs> time for the Friday conversation. I am so happy to be here. I'm so excited to be here with these beautiful people. Uh, I'm just I've been looking forward to it for a while. So I'm so happy to be here. So we'll go ahead and go around the room and say hello to these beautiful people. Uh, Robert, will you kick us off and tell us about you and what you do? <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Robert Otone, and uh, I have a book out called The Vile Thing We Created. This is what it looks like. It's got a cool cover, I think. Um, <laughs> but that just came out this week. And uh, yeah, I write things, and uh, I drink wine in a can. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. And uh, Michael, will you uh, tell us a little about you and what you do? Sure. I am. Um, <clears throat> I'm Michael Tyree. Um, I also write things, uh, and I rescue cats. And I, oh, there, there we go. <laughs> um, I have two collections. Oh, look at that. Um, I have two collections of novellas and novelettes out, which I was going to pick up and hold up, but you guys are doing that for me. So, <laughs> uh, Pottersville Blues and The Pale Horse. And I have a new novella coming out soon <clears throat> called If These Bones Could Talk. Um, I write horror, a little dark fantasy, a little bit of crime, uh, this and that. But that's me. <laughs> nice. And uh, Catherine? Hi, I'm Catherine Silva, cat for short. Rob's got my books there. I I also had my book ready, but um, <laughs> you guys are all you're my my Vanna Whites uh, here with, and uh, I write stuff too. I I write horror with some fantasy elements, uh, Purgatory Woods, Soul Eating Wolves, vampires, uh, all kinds of dark spectacular things i don't know if they're spectacular they're just, spectacular i like to think spectacular, spectacular. Yeah. um but um i'm also very happy to be here with three of my favorite people i'm very excited oh, yes very excited so robert what's it like uh you know, the book dropped a couple days ago so how's it how's the release going what can you tell us about it uh i got a text from the publisher yesterday with the sales numbers and he's very happy so I can't be upset about it, right? So um, I'm happy with how things are going. I have no complaints. I'd love um, to see some more reviews from everybody on the Amazon. Would be nice. Um, but you yeah, know, everything is great. I'm very happy. Uh, reception's been good. I got a two-star review the other day. So that was interesting to see. I was like, it just came out. It just came out. Think about it for a minute. And then... Then give it two stars. But um, no, I thought that was interesting because, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really happy with it. And honestly, like I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking down the line at this point. Like I'm thinking like what's what's next. Um, I'm very happy with this book and I'm going to be, you know, uh, going to a bunch of different places and supporting it and doing all that stuff uh, in the coming months. Hello to our two folks who just joined us. Nice to meet you guys. <laughs> Um, hello. 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 Um, but yeah, like I'm just excited to, you know, meet some people at different uh conventions and talk about the book with different crowds and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy. 
Nice. Uh, so I, I owe my two wonderful co-hosts a, a huge apology because the other day I was texting in the group chat like, I'm so excited about Friday, I can't wait. And then I forgot to text the link. So I'm so sorry. That's my fault. <laughs> it's okay. We've all done that to each other at least once yeah. at this point. <laughs> so no worries. Glad no to be here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, happy to be uh, here. So Taylor and PL, will you give us a quick introduction? Sure. So my name is Taylor. <laughs> uh, my uh, booktube channel is Made Between the Pages, which you can see below. And I am a co-host for Page Chewing. So you'll often see me beside Steve and PL doing different Page Chewing episodes, whether it's Friday Conversations or um, the other version that we have. Uh, yeah. And I, I read lots of sci-fi. Not sci-fi, sorry. A lot of fantasy. Dabble in sci-fi and horror. So happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a writer and a blogger and also a page queen co-host, as Taylor has, has noted. You can find me mostly on Taylor and Steve's channel and uh, soon my own eventually. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm just happy to be here. Honored to meet uh, these awesome guests and uh, looking forward to a great chat. All right. Nice. And uh, our friend M is in the chat, Dark Violet Dreams. She had wonderful things to say about uh, the Violet thing recreated, so... She did. Out. She did. That got me a little emotional. She was like, I want to give it all the stars in the sky. Yeah, Emily's the best. Yeah. There's a lot of cool Definitely. people here in this six window situation, but also in the chat. It's fabulous. Look at this. This is wonderful. Yes, lots of great people. Especially, the chat's uh, always uh, awesome on Friday conversations. Especially P.O. asking for the week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. No worries. Calling, you, calling you out on Maine. I, <laughs> I was worried you might not be checking your Twitter, so I was like, oh, I better. Yeah, better that's probably a good call. Yeah. <laughs> so also, uh, Catherine, you have the Wild Fall coming? Yes. How is, how is that do. process going for you? Ah, uh, it's, uh, it's going well. I just sent off a bunch of my physical arcs this week and a few sent off all of my, um, ones to my authors to have blurbed, which I'm very excited and nervous about. Um, I've gotten one blurb back so far, which has been very lovely. I'm really excited about it. Uh, so yeah, it's always just a fun experience, the whole getting ready to put a book out must must be lots of nerves in that period of time yeah yeah, yeah. fun nerves good stuff yeah yeah and uh michael what you know i i love the the chat we had at at author combo what can you tell us about your your books in the universe kind of that it's in like the loose universe sure so um so everything that i write is on the same interconnected universe. Um, most of my stories take place in the same fictional city <clears throat> in Texas, San Dismas. Um, and the way I wrote The Pale Horse, you you don't have to read either one of these books in, in order. Um, the second one is nonlinear, so you could start either way with those. Um, they kind of reference the same characters, the same um, sort of pick up on old threads like there's stories in the pale horse that kind of do this wibbly wobbly tiny wimey thing with stories from Pottersfield blues um i don't know what to really say about that um <laughs> all of his stuff is wonderfully connected in that um 
something will be referenced and it might pop up again later, it might not. Um, and so it's always kind of exciting to see. And um, Michael captures sort of the, um, like, I, the best way to describe it, it's almost like a Ballingrud kind of like Barker E vibe. There's like a layer of grit to what Michael writes. Um, that like, if you watch the show Monsterland on Hulu, all of those are particularly gritty and they have like a, a layer of like, I don't know, dirt to them. Michael's stories have that. Like you can feel it. Like when you finish a Tyree collection, you got some dirt under your nails. You see, this is why I did like just pay Rob to be my, my PR person. <laughs> <laughs> I hate talking about myself. <laughs> Well, I love interconnected stuff, so that sounds right up my alley. I love when I can point to something and be like, oh, is that is that what I think yeah. it is? So that's really cool that you have yeah. that aspect in your books. I think like when you uh, can... Steve, you're, you're, you're on mute. I'm sorry, oh, Steve yeah. was talking. See, <laughs> another rookie mistake, but I just wanted to say <laughs> just shout out to Laurel that I'm having an old fashioned. So. Oh, I'm so mm -hmm. jealous. I should have made an old fashioned. The wine is great. But like, I feel kind of weird that it's in a can. Um, but like, our winery <laughs> sent this as like the extra treat for us in our delivery uh, this quarter. So I was like, I'm just, I have to drink it. So I was gonna bring it down to PL. What's up? What's wrong? You're mute. You're on mute too. You're on mute too, PL. What's going you, on? I did. The it's, host it's, today. It's more, yeah, I don't know what's up. I just said, Robert, you're still cool. You know, you have wine in the can. So <laughs> cheers to you. Nice. What are you drinking? Yo, what's that? Wine, yeah, wine. Oh, uh, I have glasses like that. Yeah, it's called Don't Poke the Bear. <laughs> Where's that Gosh, from? I'm so jealous. It's Canadian. From Canada. Oh, are you Canadian? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. All right, I'll have mm -hmm. to try and get my hands on some of that. That's um, why he's so nice. <laughs> most of the Canadians that I've met have all been super, super sweet and super, super nice. <laughs> yeah. So that that tracks. I know um, it's a stereotype, but for me too, it has played out. <laughs> there's like, um, like uh, Nikki, uh, Nikki Arcane, the uh, Dark Between Pages, yeah. right? You guys, you guys know her. She's like the sweetest person. It's crazy, but yeah, she's super yeah. nice. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I had to get rid of this can. It's literally so. Like, there's our wine section, right? And we've got we don't actually don't have that many bottles because I drink them all. Um, but we have like <laughs> two left over from our most recent delivery. We get like a shipment of four every quarter, which I'm like, we're going to go through this in a week. Um, and this was included. So I was like, all right, I was going to bring it to AuthorCon, but it didn't make it. I forgot. I was just going to walk around AuthorCon drinking a can of wine. <laughs> you know, I'm there for those vibes, honestly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> If you don't know, I, I live in Japan and here you can drink in public with no issue. So oh. when I go back to the States, I'm like, why is why are you all so strict about this? <laughs> like everyone has to hide. Everyone knows it's alcohol, but you have to hide that it's alcohol. It's like a communal, you know, we're all lying about this. But in Japan, they're just like, whatever. Like That's awesome. don't be belligerent. What time is it there? Uh, it's 9, 12 a.m. Right Good now. God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always either up late or up early for whatever we're doing. But today was a little bit later. So thanks to whoever changed the time, I got a little bit more sleep before this Friday conversations. <laughs> whoever whoever changed the time, I owe you one. <laughs> right. 
And, uh, <laughs> our friend Christina, hey, I was supposed to be your PR person, Tyree. There you go. <laughs> Todd says to pay me in, in double and triple cosmos. Um, oh. In order to, uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I still don't know how you did it, Steve, at Author. I really have no idea how you got them to make me a triple I, Cosmo. I asked. Triple I know, it, was, it, was a, it was a double. I asked, and the woman was like, well, here you go. And I'm like, do you see me? Like, I'm gigantic. How could you? Like, this isn't going to do anything to me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so Catherine's shaking her I head. love making cocktails, and I have never made my, a triple Cosmo in my life. I guess people don't oh usually God. request them to be that strong. <laughs> well, I I like to, my alcohol consumption, I, I want it to be able to put down like a baby elephant. Like that's mm. how I like to drink. So, you know. <laughs> Tracks. <laughs> I bet you, you like Long Island iced teas, do you? Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm from Long Island, so yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I'm usually Perfect. an old-fashioned guy, but Steve talked me out of the old fashions at the place we were at. He was like, they're not very good. So I was like, mm. all right, let's do Cosmos. And then that was the end of that. And then Keesling and uh, C.W. Breyer walked me back to my room lovingly. They tucked <laughs> me into bed lovingly after I screamed <laughs> at Mike. <laughs> it was good. Sounds like a good night. Pretty good. Yeah, it was a it was a double, but I'm not I'm not sure. I just maybe I had I don't know. I asked nicely, maybe I don't know what it was, but I didn't ask nicely. Yeah. Steve. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, maybe. I don't it's know. your voice, Steve. It's your voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I'm going up there, I'm just throwing money around and be like, "Yo, hey, yo!" Giving them the full New York press. Yeah, that's probably not good. Well, some people, the, not just what people say, but their voice does make a difference. Like if Morgan Freeman Freeman told me to jump off a bridge, I'd do it. You know, it's something about his voice. It's just so <laughs> mm, quality. So we, uh, just a very quick story about Kat. Uh, we went to dinner and Kat refused to tell me what she ordered because we we're all at different tables. And I went by their table. I was like, what did you order, Catherine? She was like, None of your business, and I was like, "Jesus!" You, and I just walked you away. Still don't know either. <laughs> I have no idea what was consumed that night. I know what everybody else had. I don't remember, but you were the only one who didn't uh, didn't tell me. And I'm uh, a woman of mystery. I love it. It's fantastic. You get you see like this is why Cat's the best because she just like puts me in my place routinely. Somebody has to. Thank God. Can't confirm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we had a, a big group and we all got split up and we were trying to convince Michael to come over with us like to our little table. We we're like, Michael, just come over here. And he was too nice to, to ditch, ditch the big uh, crowd. Yeah, and, so. every, and every time I did go over there, like Rob would come and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Get back to the table. <laughs> I was like, you come back. I, I was like doing this like he's a puppy. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Good times. That was the first time I ever enjoyed uh, barbecue food. The first time I'm not a barbecue food person, but I, I enjoyed that a lot. I, I thought you maybe had a couple of drinks at the time, but you really you've never really you've really never had barbecue before. No, I've before? had barbecue. Oh, in their okay. first life. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the first time in my life I've heard someone say that that they don't like Is that right. Food. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it's just boring. It's not exciting. If you're grilling yourself, right? 
and you're mm-hmm. making like hot dogs and cheeseburgers and what have you, that's fabulous. But like going to a place and be like, oh, I'll have the whatever. And then it's just a, a glob of wet meat. It's not that thrilling. <laughs> well, if you describe it as a glob of wet meat, no one's going to want that. Well, <laughs> some people would. Barbecue enthusiasts would want that. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, but it was good. It was delicious. Todd and I kept mm-hmm. sending each other pictures of the middle finger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've gotten really used to Asian style barbecue over here, so everything's cut into small pieces, so you can eat it with chopsticks and stuff like that. So I kind of get the the mental picture of like a big hunk of meat is kind of weird for me now when i go home yeah. i'm like jesus you need all that because <laughs> i'm just used to little bite-sized pieces now because no one uses you know knives to cut stuff over here so um, i'm i'm dying to go to japan i'm dying to go to japan like it's oh my gosh please do the borders Nothing are open will. finally yeah so. my wife is the, the the hard sell she wants to go to new zealand which is fine by me because I would like to go where the hobbits walked. And <laughs> then I would want to go to Japan because like I'm I'm like a bad like American tourist because I'm like, I want to stay in the hotel that has Godzilla outside of it. And she's like, that's so stupid. <laughs> oh, I was like, that's so dumb. And I'm like, is it? Wouldn't it be cool to wake up and see Godzilla outside the window? I think it would. Be. I mean, if you ba- you could balance it out, right? Do those fun kind of more you know, out there things and then balance it with something else. I think that would work really well. I went to the monster cafe. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before it closed. What is that? It was a cafe that was just someone got high on something and made a a cafe out of what they saw. Like it's just, (laughs) just colors splashed everywhere. Weird, cutesy looking monsters. There's like people in costumes. I cannot describe what it is <laughs> you, you get like a unicorn cake that's like throwing up a rainbow like that's the kind of food that they had that sounds awesome. um yeah but it closed during the pandemic because the food wasn't good people just went oh, for the novelty you know because it was a unicorn throwing up a rainbow and since every, no one left their house it all closed so um but i but i'm what i'm trying to say badly is i'm not above that either and i've lived here for quite some time it's it's fun hmm. it got some weird I, um, shit over here I went to a a sushi place in Manhattan when it first opened. It was called Ninja. And it was in, it was sort of like underground. And the way they presented it was like, oh, you're going into like feudal Japan. And like, it was really cool or whatever. And so I went into the the area where our table was and guys were rappelling from the ceiling to bring me cocktails and stuff. And then I was ordering like sushi rolls that, um, were just absurd. There was one called like the Rock and Roll New York, which had like, um, what are those things? Pop rocks in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was eating the rolls, but then it was delicious. But then all of a sudden it was like, and I was like, yeah, I love this. This is bizarre. And then they came out, they like used traditional uh, weaponry to cut things. And they had, they one guy threw a throwing star. It was really cool. Uh, but it was super touristy and like kind of cheesy, and the food wasn't great. So. <laughs> they usually, it's usually not <laughs> places like that. <laughs> but... I mean, if if you have people repelling from the ceiling, it's kind of the food is an afterthought, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was exactly. more frightened than anything else. I was like, "What? 
because it's like it was just like an abyss above us and i was just like they're gonna come down again and the person i was with was like pay attention and i was like oh so on the lookout head this on a is, swivel this is gonna sound like a really weird segue but i promise there's a point to it <laughs> but i know uh you three are horror into horror mostly am i correct i write yeah, romance okay. i don't know about these two <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was once a, so Japan is famous for horror, right? And mm -hmm. they actually like to, <laughs> I'm surprised how young that genre goes. So there was once a kid's book that actually scared the living shit out of me where like the kid is like hearing stuff in an old house. And they're like, you know, who's that? Is someone there kind of thing? And it's like all suspense. And then on the last page, like in old Japanese houses, it's kind of like what you described as like an abyss up there. Um, and he looks up and there's like this old creepy ghost man, like staring down at him. And that's the last page of the kid's book. And I was like, all right, then <laughs> I don't know who's buying this for their kids, but cool. But, uh, it still got me and I'm, you know, a grown woman who admittedly is a baby, but still, um, so I'm curious for you guys who are much more learned in horror than I am. Is there a different feel to Japanese horror? Is there something special behind that? Like, I, I don't know much about it, but I do know, you know, Japanese horror movies like Juon and everything, they're all very famous. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, is there a different vibe to it or is it all the same? Kat, why don't you take point? <laughs> why me? <laughs> Ladies first. Let's be gentlemen for God's sake. I, I, so I think there is. But my, um, I honestly haven't watched a lot of Japanese horror, but it made me think about the game that Todd is, Todd in the chat is currently playing on his game night, which is Fatal Frame, which is a Japanese horror game. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, there, it definitely does have its own feel. Um, I think, I don't know. I there's a lot of it that I can't watch because I think it's too scary. <laughs> like I I will not watch The Grudge or The Ring, the, any any of that because it's too scary. Um, Amen. And <laughs> we can be we can be babies together. <laughs> like yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but other than that, I don't think I have any. Um, particular pearls of wisdom to throw down on um on japanese horror in particular <laughs> um so mike why don't you um sure throw some knowledge out so <clears throat> i also don't know a lot about japanese horror but um i've seen a few japanese horror movies i have some <clears throat> Japanese novels on my TBR pile that I haven't gotten to yet. So I can't really say with authority about any of this, but there is something different about it. And I think it, you know, not just with Japanese, but with other cultures in general, just with watching like foreign hardened films, like watching like French horror films, Japanese horror films, Italian films compared to American stuff. I mean, there is a difference. And I mean, I think it just comes down to um, just a cultural aspect. I mean, I feel like, without really having anything to like, you know, put in, you know, put a finger on the pulse. Like I feel like the Japanese are just sort of ahead of us to a degree with what scares people. Like, I mean, it's just cause I was, um, 
I was listening to a podcast earlier, and uh, I think Chad Lutsky was talking about <clears throat> like foreign films compared to American films and things like that. And um, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, they're ahead of us. So, yeah, yeah. So, so they're ahead of us. And so, like, um, when the Americans remade The Ring and The Grudge and things like that, you know, when we initially saw those in like you know the early thousands, mid thousands, whatever scared the fuck out of everybody. I mean, like Catherine said, it still scares the bejesus out of me. Um, but at that point, you know, to the Japanese, that was just whatever. Like, that was an old story for them. That wasn't news. So, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're just sort of ahead of the curve on some of those things. I think because, you know, Americans, right? Like, we're we grew up with a totally different culture. The Japanese horror seems so out there to us like what you know the the going back to like the traditional folklore of um japanese horror the um you know the ghosts are typically represented with like sadako from the ring the long black hair it's all there it's all in traditional historical japanese uh folklore and everything um but it's all you know seeing those kinds of things put in a modern setting right so like something like the ring even better, and Todd mentioned it, Pulse or Cairo uh, from 2001, 2001, 2002, maybe. Um, there was no more prescient horror than that. It's just about the idea of like technology dividing us. And Kiyoshi Kurosawa called it because that's literally what's happened. This technology literally put a wedge between all of us. Um, and he was saying that was going to happen 22 years ago and totally called it. But it's also I'm trying to remember the, the traditional name for uh, Japanese ghosts or spirits. I don't remember uh, what yokai? the name is. Say again. Yokai. 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 That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I had a, a, an entire book all about this stuff. And it talked about how a lot of it has to do with the loss of honor, whereas a lot of American um, folklore as it relates to ghosts has to deal with revenge or a loss of something. It's not about honor for us. It's about like. I was murdered. I'm going to get you. Whereas in Japan, it's like, no, I was dishonored in some way. And my spirit can't rest until my honor is returned in some capacity, which is in mm. a lot of ways what and my one of my all time favorite uh, haunted house movies is house or house. Um, the whole reason she the the aunt or whatever becomes a witch or becomes a, a ghost. And that is because she loses her her husband or loses her fiance and it kills her. It literally breaks her heart and kills her. And um, to her, that's a loss of honor. So the house then itself becomes something that feeds on people. And it's just really interesting. Like they, their approach is very traditional, but putting it in that modern setting is what makes it so foreign to us. So like the ring is a good example, or actually the grudge is a better example because it mm -hmm. literally takes yokai, a traditional thing and presents it. And we're like, oh my God, girl with long, scary black hair. That's crazy. And to the Japanese, it's like, no shit. That's what we've been reading about our whole life, like whatever. Well, what I think is really interesting is when I found out the grudge originally in, in Japan, it's called Juon, and it's a it's a little boy. Yep. It's not a grown woman. And so when they adapted it for the States, they changed the ghost to a woman, a grown mm -hmm. woman that haunts people. So I thought that was a really interesting choice. I, I don't know why. Maybe i don't know i guess a lot of probably horror movies of do seem to have older women probably Maybe because of the ring, the ring or... and mm. had 
you know, Sadako, and then I don't remember what her American version, Samara, I think was her name. Mm-hmm. Um, that really popped off. So I, I would imagine that could be why. But like, I, the little boy is in the American remake of The Grudge also because he has like the he makes the frog noises or like the, the croaking. Oh no, he he makes a cat sound. That's what it was. A cat sound. Uh, where she makes like the because uh, she was had her neck broken or whatever. Mm-mm. It's so cool. I love that stuff. <laughs> Scandinavian horror, what trolls and stuff like what you know. I'm gonna. I have no idea what Scandinavian horror entails. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is Scandinavian, so like uh, he's asking his beautiful daughter in his picture there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean Scandinavian horror has to deal. I know, like in um, a friend of mine did a um, what is that thing where you run? Uh, thank you, CrossFit, like one of those things or whatever. Um, but it was like an Ironman race across like Finland or something. And there was a point where they came to a giant rock and some of the guys were like trying to move it. And a bunch of the locals were like, no, 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 <laughs> don't, don't touch that. Don't try to move it. Cause all these like big tough Americans were like, Oh, we're going to move this. Uh, but apparently it's like very bad luck to try to move a rock that's in place in like a Scandinavian country. Cause it has ties to folklore and stuff like that. But I always thought that was interesting. I see in the comments someone mentioned Junji Ito as well for a manga horror. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's an example of horror that just it doesn't give you answers, which is something that Japanese literature does all the time. But I think that's interesting because out of the genres I've read that are Western based, horror seems to do that the most, where there's just no answer. <laughs> there's kind of a, a very similar thread, I think, there. It feels more honest in that way, because like how often do we ever get like perfect answers in real life? You know, mm. um, Junji Ito is the the modern Lovecraft, I think, probably as close to a modern Lovecraft as we'll have only without the racism, which is nice. <laughs> we take what we can get. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you're not going to make it. Jeez, I'm sorry. And Michael's the one recovering, and I'm over here coughing more than he is. So. <laughs> Ask Catherine a question. She's drinking Pinot Gris. You're drinking wine from a can. It's true. I'm just, you know, I like Pinot Gris. I'm just saying. I just wanted them to ask you a question while you were drinking so you'd flub. Yeah. You didn't even say what kind of wine you're drinking. You just said you're drinking wine from a can. Oh, it's a uh, Cielo. It's like kind of their proprietary sort of um, table red. It's not this, you know, it's nothing special, but it's it's good. Yeah. And I have a question from Eric. Uh, what are you all writing for 2022? Great question. Mike, you want to take that? Did one? you say 22? Yeah. I'm are we sorry. going back in Jeez. time, baby? 24. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know where my mind is today. I'm so sorry. 24. <laughs> I'm just going to be quiet now. Just Aww. carry on. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> Mike, what are you working off of 24? Sure. Um, it's hard to say because <clears throat> up to this point, I've been self-published and um, I have some things in the works that I'm shopping around. So I don't know per se what's coming out in 2024. Um, I have that novella that I mentioned earlier. <clears throat> if these bones could talk and um that's one of those things that it started off as a as a very short novella then it turned into a 
long novella and I'm still kind of going back and forth with my editor with it. <clears throat> and it may wind up being somewhere in that no man's land of just like a short novel. Um, I have that. And then I'm still working on um, another project that I'm trying to shop around. I think I talked to you Rob about it before it's um, called witness marks. And that's one that, I mean, if anything, that'll probably be out in 2024. That's my wibbly wobbly timey wimey cult story told over, <laughs> told over three generations. What about you, Kat? Um, I don't have anything concrete, but I am going to finish up my, my, uh, it's not really a haunted house story. It's a haunted objects story, but it's, um, how do we say the word epistolary? Is that epistolary? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is told through, um, like audio logs and journal entries and, um, video recordings. Um, so I have to finish that, um, and then I have, uh, I really want to write a short story collection, but I am, you know, that's an afterthought. So when I get to it. Nice. Uh, I have a couple things cooking. I have um, two things with Weird House Press. I don't know specifically when they're going to come out. I imagine one, at least one of them will probably be out by the end of this year. Uh, so I think the other one will be out in 2024. Um, Mike actually has one of those that I'm awaiting a blurb for. And uh, the other one I'm writing right now, it's a middle grade horror story. So I'm really excited about that. And then uh, after that, maybe in 2024, I will have a book with Cemetery Gates called There's Something Sinister in Centerfield, which is another middle grade plus horror book. And I'm working on something <laughs> with uh, Mr. Hansen in the chat that could be out in 2024 as well that may or may not have cowboys and various other spooky things in there. We shall see. Nice. Wouldn't have put cowboys under spooky. <laughs> 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 I would. They probably smell bad. So, <laughs> and I'm gonna get that blurb to you as soon as possible, Rob. I swear. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Everyone calling each other out on Maine tonight yeah. <laughs> for things yeah, they haven't I, done yet. I, I just, yeah, yeah. A lot of, lot of, uh, but it's, all, it's all in good fun. But for, for all the, all the authors in the room, I wonder what is it like to write a blurb? But when someone asks you, will you write a blurb for me? Is that that would I would imagine it's pressure because you want to deliver something good for them, but what is that like? Um, I just handed one to an author today on something that I'm really excited for her uh, to see published. But it's um, uh, for me, it's not. It's never like pressure. It's just the time finding the time to read the thing, and you know, giving them something pithy or whatever. I mean, I had such a dumb blunder with a blurb and Mike was on that involved in my I gave him a blurb that was so much like another blurb that I gave someone else. And then I caught it. And I was like, oh, I was like, no, wait. <laughs> and I felt so stupid because I was like, I, I was like, oh, this sounds so good. Like, this is so good. And it's like, dummy, 
you did this already. That's you know that's why you like it so much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's having the time. It's having the time um, to really read and uh, you know take the time to think of something or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Is just you know like my toxic trait is that I make all these promises to people and then I don't realize at the time that I don't have the time to to you know keep said promises. So, I mean, I was lucky enough to, um, I wrote a blurb for Chad Lutsky at the beginning of the year for, um, um, his newest one. And I have a couple others where people ask me you know, to write a blurb, but it's just, I, I mean, there's only so much free time in the day. And I feel like, you know, it's like you said, just, just finding the time to do it and then being able to come up with something that, you know, kind of really like shines a light on that author. This isn't just some gibberish. Cause you know, I've, I've seen some blurbs that look like it was just, like it just came out of a can, like it's just some cookie cutter nonsense. But I mean, I would like to just just have the time to just really come up with something that honors that author, you know. I um, I got a blurb from something for something one time, and it didn't really say anything. It just kind of like <clears throat> recap, re like told what happened in the book. And I gave it to my publisher, and they were like, "We can't use this. <laughs> this is no good." And I was like, "Oh, it's a summary." Sorry. Yeah, basically, yeah. it was like Robert Otone tells the story of blah, 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 blah. And it goes on for like three paragraphs. And I'm like, that's not how this works. But I gave it to them anyway. And it was like, eh, sorry. I'm curious to hear from PL as well, because you recently have released your third book, right? And you've got some big names blurbing that one. So I'm curious, like, what, what were those lifted from overall reviews? Or did everyone write a blurb kind of individually for that? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's coming out uh, shortly. Lauren King wrote their book. Yeah. Um, it. Uh, so normally, what I do is I I kind of you know me I'm this crazy serial planner, so I have um, people I'd love to um, blurb on my books. Uh, Taylor and Steve might be among some of those people for future. Um, that uh, I kind of plan out each book in advance, and I I want for people that I respect their opinion to hopefully read my book and provide, um, you know, a review. And from that review, I asked them if I can take, you know, a blurb to put on the, the cover, uh, one quote on the front cover and three in the back. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I approached some people that I, I, for this particular book, I, like I said, I approach four people every book. Hopefully they all say yes. I've been lucky so far. None of them said no. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I got uh, for this book, there was uh, Jenny Wirtz, who's uh, definitely, you know, I, I think an iconic author. Author, She's fabulous for a second to her friend. She's wonderful. They're all friends, all the authors that I was blessed, fortunate enough to get them to endorse. Uh, Eve Kogu, she's a Latvian writer, award-winning writer. She's another friend, great person. And then uh, Tim uh, Tim Hardy and Holly Tinsley, they're SBFB07 finalists, and they're good friends of mine. That Holly's written uh, the Vanguard Vanguard Chronicles with the Men of Ash and Shadow and uh, the Head of Castle and Tim Hardy does the Brotherhood of the Eagle. He also just released a really amazing book, part of his new uh, Samurai Tales it's, uh, called The Quiet Vengeance. Really good. Check it out. So, so yeah. So what I do is I plan in advance as to uh, who I would like to hopefully provide uh, to my books. And the blurbs that I've done for people, I'm, I'm always extremely humble when someone asks me to blurb. The book, for example, I blurred Tim's book, the one I mentioned, Acquired Ventions, uh, on the back, and 
couple other books I've, I've learned in the past for for authors that like I said it's a huge it's a huge honor right it's a big privilege when someone asks you to do that so yeah but that's that's uh, it, it's it's a special feeling when someone says yes and it's also really special when someone asks you so. I had um something funny happened with um because I have a collection coming out in October and I got a couple blurbs myself um from some wonderful people and uh I was talking to the editor and she was like oh you know can you think of some more people that you would want so I went and I looked at the publisher's website and I was like this person this person this person this person this person and they and the the editor was like oh I'm friendly with all of them I'll ask and I was like oh thank god like I don't have to do it <laughs> so that was kind of nice to not have to uh worry about that so hopefully some of them will say yes if they don't no big deal the ones that i have i'm very very happy with nice what about you kat what do you how do you approach that um well i i self-publish um with my small press so i ask people uh <laughs> when i need blurbs which is also very terrifying but when people ask me for blurbs i always get really um i mean i'm i'm always honored but i'm also always nervous because um i want to make sure that i do them justice and um it is like rob and mike said it's about trying to find the time to do it and i work you know 36 hours a week i have a crazy cat I try and take care of and <laughs> write and publish and everything else. And, and so trying to just even squeeze like five minutes to just read is hard. Um, I'm just exhausted by the end of the day. So I, um, yeah, I, I, it is like, it is mostly about, just trying to find the time to do it just like they said and you mentioned uh you have your own press uh what, what is that like running your own press is there a benefit to doing that when you self-publish it's um i mean saying that you have a small press is um it's almost there's a lot of people that look down on self-publishing so saying that you have your own press or saying that you're publishing through a small press almost I don't know, negates some of that stigma and um, that people give you <laughs> for self-publishing. And I think that that's a changing trend, thankfully, but I've been doing this for, I don't know, since 2010 and the number of people in Maine, because that's where I am, that still look down upon self-publishing um, especially in the horror genre. The horror genre is not revered in Maine like you might think it is. It is definitely uh, not looked at as a like literary genre, unfortunately. Um, Meanwhile, the most important writer yeah. of the modern era well, literally they, put the entire Stephen King's there? Like, yeah, what, I wouldn't even what's up with that? I wouldn't yeah. know where Maine was. If it wasn't yeah. for Stephen King, I don't even know. If you showed me a map right now, I'd be like, "Is it Vermont?" I don't know where it is. So, like, I, I, that's ridiculous to me. 
but that's, I mean, that's just the thing. And so even trying to get into bookstores with self-published works, I mean, people just assume that self-published does not mean quality. So um, it's, and Maine, I think, is also very behind <laughs> on a lot of things. We're like, everybody here is just old fashioned where uh, stuff is, is, having a revolution other places in the country maine is just kind of like catching up so <laughs> wow yeah. you guys just got friends for example that's like a thing yeah we just cool. discovered facebook that's great <laughs> yeah so like it's weird so that oh yeah we look down on self-publishing and it's like well adam neville literally self-publishes and he's got netflix deals and um mm -hmm. uh, clearly is doing something right it's just so weird that's such a weird attitude to have. Well, yeah. and it's, I think there's also like, there's a number of different self-publishing uh, places in Maine, but I think the genres that typically self-publish here are not horror or fantasy. Um, they are like memoirs or uh, it's like poetry, crime. Those are the, the biggest genres in Maine right now Ugh. and there's just so many of them and um and the people who are trying to do something with horror or fantasy are just kind of like so spaced out um because maine is a big state uh there's not um i don't know there's just not much of a we're not really making waves with the literary the people who are, who have put themselves kind of at the, the top of the literary tower here, unfortunately, again, it's something that I've been trying to push for years and years and years. And it's just hard. It's, it's really frustrating. So like with spooky house press, I started that as a way to have something behind my own self-published stuff. And then I started publishing other people and that's kind of all I wanted to do with it now. So like, I don't know, maybe that's a tough call. That's weird that it's like not looked at so fondly there. Bizarre. Well, so I'm noticing there is another main author in the chat um, who I have not met. Um, but he also is saying that he concurs with my with main stigma against indie authors. Um, it's just, yeah, it's there is, uh, yeah, I don't know, there is um, just something, and uh, it's it's really hard to push through it. But you know, we do have. I, I do think that we're getting there. It's just taking longer than necessary to get there. Um, I think one of the biggest authors this year that had a um, horror collection come out, which is Night of the Living Res by Morgan Talty, is a main author and has definitely been noticed and recognized. Um, so we're getting there. It's just taking you know, time. It's just taking time. <clears throat> so Kat, just I guess just a question. So is it is it um, how does this manifest? Like you go to like a tray, uh, uh, a con in in Maine, say, 
and you're an indie author and you feel like you're not getting you they don't find you as credible as say an author that has a that's traditionally published like how, how does it how does this play it's, out so it's not we we do the only cons we have in maine are like we don't actually have many conventions in maine and the two that we have are run by um this this one group that does like a bangor comic con in the may and then a portland comic con and and those people are very open very receptive to indie publishers and horror publishers horror is definitely a, a thing there it is the the literary the book community in maine um because there are you know there's there is a joke, which is that if you throw a rock in Maine, you hit a writer because there's so many writers in Maine. <laughs> and it, everybody is, I guess, trying to one-up each other. It definitely, it feels like a very competitive um, place to be. And that's just, from my experiences of it, it feels like a very competitive place to be. It feels like everybody is trying to um, just one up each other. And, and I don't like that. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, when I go to some of the, when I have gone to some of the literary events in Maine, um, it, it just feels like horror and speculative fiction, which is how they, uh, identify it. It's not horror. It's not sci-fi. It's not fantasy. It's speculative fiction is um, just kind of not seen as uh, a worthy genre, a worthy genre. Um, I think one of the, the worst things that I, that, that has happened is like people don't know we have an awards ceremony that happens in Maine every year and um and not a lot of people know that there is a speculative fiction category that you can nominate your own books for so nobody nominates their stuff and every year there's like one person nominated or two people nominated and the organization feels like they they can't share the names <laughs> of those nominees because there's there's no one really uh showing up for them hmm. and and what i think is sad is that there hasn't really been a lot of attempt at growth in those in those genres either like we have maine has a crime bake they call it every year which is all of these crime writers getting together and doing this whole workshop and panel and everything. So crime fiction is, is loved and, and pushed and celebrated, but speculative fiction is not. Hmm. So within guess, this organization, it's just, it's really, yeah, it's rough. I guess because I'm trying, I mean, I know for me and everyone's experience is different, obviously. I know for me, like, so I'm in Canada and I'm in, you know, the province of Ontario. So essentially the state, the state. And, um, but my, my, most of my time, my interactions with writers is like very much the broader social media writer community. So it's very much people all over the world, right? So most people I interact with on a daily basis don't live near me. They actually, 
they may live, you know, a couple of hours from me, but they might not even be the same province. They might be in the U.S. They might be in another province in Canada. They might be, you know, but a lot of my friends that I communicate regularly with are, are writers. My my network of writers are all the world: Latvia, England, you know, the U.S., like Japan, friends in Japan, like Taylor, like the BookTube community. Like, so I guess I've never felt like. I guess most, like I said, I've never felt constrained by the geographic area I'm in. Mm. Like I've never felt like, you know, like I need to fit in with, I don't know, any particular group in. And like I said, everybody's experience is different, right? So I'm just, I guess I'm trying to understand, um, you know, how your experience has been in terms of like, is it that, you know, you have don't have the opportunity to go, like kind of branch out from Maine, like do other things with other, you know, outside of Maine and other states or is it, is it, I mean, that's part of it is, is like, um, I've, I've, so I've been writing and publishing since 2010. I have not had as much literary, like as much growth in the horror community as when I joined Twitter and really started interacting there. Like, any of me trying to do my marketing in New England just by going to bookstores or trying to market my stuff that way, like zilch, nothing. Like it, it, it really does matter having a platform that reaches more people. Social media has definitely made a difference. Uh, a lot of bookstores... I, I'm fortunate to have my books in some very good bookstores in Maine, but a lot of them won't carry horror. A lot of reviewers for newspapers will not read horror well, or self-published books. So Here, because uh, specifically I'm on Long Island and um, the horror accepting community here sucks uh i imagine it's largely like maine probably very comparable i'm kind of surprised to hear that about maine so i'm just like yeah i can relate but like it's nobody looks at the genre as worthy here uh it's very hard to get into bookstores so like when you find somebody who's like willing to put your stuff on the shelf it's exciting but like the head of the Horror Writers Association for the whole state of New York, he literally lives in the same town as me. So it's like, we're both <laughs> we're both Long Island guys. There's a lot of cool writers here, like show love, support, whatever, and it just doesn't happen. Now, New York City, different story. You know, like Jack Ketchum was a New York City guy and just totally different vibe there. You throw a rock, you could probably hit a horror writer. But like, it's just totally different. But Long Island nothing and it's like similar to cat it's like impossible almost impossible to get into like an indie bookstore here we don't even honestly like we don't really have them hmm. we don't have them here like we have one just opened in the town next to the town i grew up in i'm actually going there sunday because they want to do a reading which is cool but like they just opened <laughs> you know so it's like crazy but it's just weird. Or it's like, oh, like I got my MFA program, right? Did my MFA in children's literature. When they found out I was writing a horror book, they like a, you know, a young adult horror book. They were like, oh, no, you, you can't write. No, you shouldn't do that. 
call it call it dystopian uh blah 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 and i was like okay like whatever you want which it is like it is a dystopian thing but it's it's cosmic horror like through and through they were not happy about horror and they were trying to push me more into like the fantasy area meanwhile like six of my friends from the program they were all writing ya fantasy and it's like i'm let me do something different please and now i'm nominated for the stoker for it like me no no uh it's just very weird congratulations that's that's yeah. thank you yeah that's what i was gonna say congrats thank well thank something you. i think a lot of you guys are touching on is the difference between like on the ground book culture versus online book culture and that's something that I often have to remind myself that that exists, <laughs> right? So because where, where I live, as we've established, no one else lives here. So I'm not meeting up with people. I'm not chatting with people about books in person. It's, of course, when I lived in the States, I was able to go to physical bookstores and, and all of those things. But it's been a long time since I've been able to do that. So I'm so invested in the online version of this world that I forget how much the real real world i guess for lack of a better word how different that is so for me uh i don't know if you could tell michelle's behind me i like fantasy <laughs> but uh through being friends with steve and a lot of other people in the self-pub community what kind of got me to dabble in horror a little bit is the the genre mixing mm -hmm. so an example of that i actually happen to have it with me is i just got the arc the physical arc for the third book in the Gunmetal God series. And this is Middle Eastern fantasy with cosmic horror. And wow. then with every every intro, every installment in the book, the cosmic horror takes over more and it becomes less fantasy. Nice. So, uh, and Zamal Akhtar is the author and he said that's what he wanted to do is he really wanted to lean more into it. So I'm interested like online and I'm not, I guess my point is I'm not the only person who reads fantasy who has liked this book and therefore has realized other things they might enjoy in horror or other genres. So mm -hmm. I'm now much more open to cosmic horror because for me, I just thought I was a baby. I was like, ghosts don't work for me. <laughs> so I'm not going to touch that genre, but there's so much more in it. Right. And I think books mm -hmm. like this really help, but you will not find this book in a physical bookstore. You will not be able to walk into a Barnes and Noble and find this, right. but it is extremely popular online. So, you know, Catherine, you brought up uh, Twitter. If you look up for, you know, self-pub horror, fantasy horror recommendation lists, Zama Akhtar is going to come up for sure and be recommended a lot. So I think there's just a, a big difference between those two worlds, you know, I'm noticing. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know how to bridge that gap, but it mm -hmm. seems like the gap is pretty wide. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, to your point where I'm sorry, Kat, to your point regarding like community online and stuff like that, I think that's why we're so open with sharing like opportunities with each other because we know how difficult those opportunities um, can be to get. Right. So like um, I, I've been lucky to have like authors extend opportunities to me. So like I want to extend them to other people all the time. Like that's just kind of my vibe. And I think, you know, because some of like Kat in Maine or me on Long Island traveling and going to different events and networking with other authors and stuff and like putting a face to a Twitter handle helps, you know, and um, like Steve, when we were at AuthorCon, like my whole thing was like, 
well, let's get you some more people for the show kind of thing, like when we were all hanging out, you know? So, like, I don't know. I think that stuff's fun. But also, like, how can we create those opportunities more for each other, you know? Like, that's a, that's a huge part of it. Definitely. And the check's in the mail, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah. And you know what? I've been to now starting to go to more and more uh, physical events because, of course, COVID shut down a lot of those physical events. That's the other thing, right? So, you know, so having been to, you know, a con now and having been to a couple of book conventions and and, and book signings at physical, I'm lucky I have, there's a major bookstore in, in Canada's Chapters Indigo and my books are, are the, they're regionally in my like regional kind of geographic area. And then, you know, I've had, there's a couple of smaller bookstores that I've been lucky enough to apply, like, you know, uh, more um, private little bookstores. I've got my book in there. But then, of course, my book is on Ingram Network, Amazon, you know, and, the, and my indie publisher, um, kind of like Vanity Press, uh, Friesen Press. Um, so, but I mean, most of what I, again, most of, of I think I've probably sold way more books just because of social media, right? And, and, and I think that, and I really value the interactions and the friendships I've built up with, like, social media. And, yeah, I think... Um, my dream is always to meet up with some of my closest friends that I've made, you know, like, like Rob was saying, like, you know, I can't wait to meet Steven Taylor one day. Right. You know, that's, that's a dream of a lifetime. Right. So, you know, like I'm, I'm planning to go to a world con in Glasgow and all my UK friends, we're going to, you know, hopefully going to hook up, you know, with all of them. Right. So that's, that's, but we can do that now because the world is smaller. You can, if you, if you have the, you know, the, the resources, you can hop on a plane and, you know, like I, there's a horror convention somewhere. I want to go meet up you guys. I just, you know, I drive down, right? Can I can drive down? I can rent the car and just drive down. So, but I think, I think it's important to keep both of those things going. I think for for all, us authors, because I think we're very, you know, it's funny we talk about this all the time. Well, writing is is the writing itself is solid is sol is a solitary activity. The rest of it isn't, and we need each other. We need that community. We need really need to be able to feed off each other and draw strength from each other and, and lean on each other. And I think, um, you know, yeah, if you definitely have the opportunity to, you know, you forge all these great relationships. Yeah. If you can, you know, hopefully you, you try and meet them in person because I'm old and old fashioned and I still think it's, you know, being able to meet someone, you know, face to face is just, it's just something really special. Just really increase that bond. So, yeah, but I think we need both. We need that global online presence, you know, People we're never going to meet that live on the other side of the world, but you're you're like this, but, and then you also need that that closer connection with people that you could drive to. And 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 we had when we were at AuthorCon, a guy from the UK came, and it was a guy who had done three covers for my small press. So when I saw him, I gave him like the biggest hug. I was I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Why? How are you here? Like this is Virginia." You know, it was just, it was crazy. Or West Virginia. Where was it? Virginia? Was Virginia. It Virginia? Virginia. Thank you. Um, I don't even, it all looks the same. So <laughs> it was like crazy, but it was really nice to, you know, be able to put like a voice and, you know, like a face to his Twitter, you know, and it was just really cool. So I don't know. It was a lot of fun. What about you, Mike? What are you, uh, what are your thoughts on that? What have your experiences been getting your books out online and in person? Well, <clears throat> I mean, just to kind of go off of what Kat said, I mean, it's definitely harder doing it um, in person. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when you self-publish, I mean, it, of course, it's 
a lot more legwork. You know, you self-publish, you you wear all the hats, you do all the things, everything is your responsibility. So <clears throat> I've been lucky enough to get my books in a few stores. I was able to get them in our local Barnes Noble and then one small indie store around here. But then it's just, you know, that that's as far as that goes. And then if I wanted to go do more, I would have to like, you know, call every location and talk to them in person what, and do all, do the work of like, you know, like a, I guess a, um, a distributor or whatever. Um, so it is a lot of work. Um, yeah. I don't know where I would be without the online presence. I mean, as much as I hate social media, I mean, it's, it's, it's necessary. I mean, you have to have that presence to be able to be people. I mean, I wouldn't have, I would have never met Rob if it hadn't been for Instagram, you know, probably same thing for cat. Um, but it's just, it's just one of those things where you just, you know, every now and then I'll make a shitty joke or something and I might sell a book. <laughs> I might see like a, a spike in my sales or something. Um, and you know, it's one of those things that it wouldn't happen without social media, you know, like no one's, no one's just Googling me, um, just because, you know, it's hard because like you have to find your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, what we also met during COVID too, like in the heart of it. So like that was kind of, you know, us meeting would have been impossible, but we right. met at AuthorCon and I gave you a hug Yeah, and uh, we shared a room. Mm -hmm. Lots of cuddles. Was, a lot of cuddling. Oh my God. You see that beard? I got lost mm. in it. I got lost in it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when Todd and uh, when Todd brought Rob back up to the room, like I left Todd the bar early. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, so early. Yeah, I did. I, I, I mean, I had to get up and sell books, man. I had to, you know, <laughs> but um, I remember when they brought, uh, brought Rob up there, he just made a beeline for my bed. <laughs> I was like, this is where I sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow you were totally fine the next day. I'm yeah. indestructible. <laughs> I can't be killed by conventional weaponry. Yeah, I was really surprised because you got up the next morning and like I, I got up and I was doing my things and getting ready for the next day. And you I was expecting to be all hung over and just fucked to pieces. And you're up, like, oh, hi, Mike. How are you? <laughs> ready to start the day? <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Pop, pop a couple aspirin and you're just ready to go. <laughs> yeah. It's the cosmopolitan, that's what it was. <laughs> if only like the rest of my bodily aches and pains would follow suit. Uh, it just doesn't happen that way, unfortunately. And our friend Christina uh, comments, I might be also co-writing something for 2024. Ooh. I need to know about that, like right now. Ooh. That's fun. <clears throat> Hell yeah. Yeah. I want more info. Yes. Are you going to do the cover for it also? I just want to say I owe Christine a lot of props because the whole weekend, like, you know, like I've, every time I go to these events, I always meet friends online and it's, it's really cool to like see people for the first time. But Christina, it's like, you know, I hung out with her the whole time and it's like, she did so much to just try to like, you know, take introverted Mike and like kind of, push me towards other people and like network and all that stuff and it's like you know i mean jokingly like i mean i know i said like i should hire rob to be my pr person i also said the same thing christina i mean like really like i mean i met um sam from weird punk books because of christina and mm -hmm. then it's just yeah so i owe her a lot talk about a sweet guy man yeah. sam from weird punk was very yeah. sweet yeah he's yeah. great 
that was um yeah it was just really that's the whole reason i went literally like so like pl you were talking about like getting to meet friends and stuff like the whole reason i went to AuthorCon was to meet people i hadn't met before and to like i did one panel i didn't have a table i just went to have fun you know and it was worth the nine hour trip down and the 10 hour drive back but you know Catherine had a longer drive than i did though i I'm did not, not gonna complain yeah and the small door <laughs> that still creeps me out. Those small mm. door. Well, I feel like networking is just oh. so important. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. You can no, talk about small door first. Ask, the, the small door <laughs> that Cat uh, experienced on her trip. The small. Oh, that small door. Um, yeah, that was. That was at a hotel in Massachusetts, which we stopped at for the night. On Wednesday night, and there was a super creepy small door in the closet of our room, which did not have a knob, and it was locked from the inside. Um, it was supposedly a haunted inn. Yes. So I did write, make sure that you hear from us in the morning. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. That should be the name of your collection. The There's small two door. ways that could go. You could go, <laughs> you could go the Narnia route, you know, or you could go yeah. the Coraline route. You know, there's two ways to think about a tiny door in a closet. Definitely not a Narnia door. Like it was one of those like super creepy. You know, somebody painted over it to touch it up and make it look nice, but, um, but yeah. No idea where it led, somewhere into the wall. I, um, I had like a uh, growing That's when you up... push something heavy in front of that. <laughs> but it was in the closet. You just locked the door. Oh, that's creepy. I had a, uh, in my closet growing up, I had like a, a um, like a trap door type thing in the corner. And I opened it up and I can crawl. I was, I was not that little, but I could crawl in between the floorboards upstairs and like i would do it sometimes but like not all the time mostly i just hid like what i considered like my crime fighting equipment in this like little door and so i had like a little gun that had like a, a um like a boxing glove on it. and you press it it would go and do like a punch and i was like i'm gonna fight crime with that i was like five so like i opened it up and i stashed all my stuff in there and then like i i crawled in a couple times and i got like kind of far and then i went back it was very creepy i'm like claustrophobic a little bit so i zipped back then a week later after i had discovered it we had new carpeting put in and they put after all the stuff i hid in there they carpeted over it and sealed oh. everything in yeah That's i could probably go into the closet and open it up and get all my stuff i had a ninja star in there tragedy this oh, gives me very much Harriet the Spy vibes. I don't know if you, if you know, guys know that movie. Oh, yeah. I loved that when I was little. I thought that I was her. I had my little journal for observations, just spying on people, just being a little shit, basically. But that gives me very much the Harriet the Spy vibes. You have your little stash. That's so cute. I'm sorry you got cut off from it. I know. I know. One day I'll go back in there and see. It's like a, my... Uh, it's in my my the house I grew up in. My mother still lives there, and it's a guest room now. So I could probably just tear up that section of carpet and get my ninja star back. 
You have to work that into. You your can bring it with you when you go to that sushi restaurant. Oh, true. <laughs> uh, right in. Pop rock sushi. <laughs> Pretty rough. <laughs> I love. See, that's a weird thing. I love sushi and I love pop rocks. I don't think a candy gets me more excited than pop rocks. But like together, not that great. Doesn't sound like it. They should be together, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, Pop Rocks are just about anything, but not that. Not Oreos either. <laughs> Disgusting uh, Oreos. Man, so Friendly's, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if they have Friendly's ice cream up there in, in New York, but um, I know it's... Of course they do. Okay, all right. Sure, I don't know if that was like a, you know, below oh the... God, I don't know if that was like below the Mason-Dixon line kind of thing or not. But anyway, Friendly's <laughs> used to have this um, this flavor of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> We got this store called Best Buy. You got that up there? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> right next to the Sears. <laughs> so, um, so, <laughs> so Friendly's used to have this, this one flavor of ice cream. It was a, um, I can't remember what they called it, but it was supposed to be like a firecracker thing. So it was like cotton candy, but it had Pop Rocks mixed into it. That, that shit was, I used to buy like two or three gallons of it at a time. And um, when we were fostering kids that first summer, when we were fostering these two girls. Like I bonded with the oldest over that specific ice cream. I used to, and then when she came along, I was buying shit tons more. Like, I mean, and then one day they just discontinued it. And I've never been so fucking heartbroken <laughs> over something that's going to just going to give me type two diabetes. <laughs> you know, what's the, the weirdest thing about pop rocks is like the idea of like um, moisture, right? Is what makes them yeah. pop, but they don't pop in ice cream. And they don't mm. pop in any other moisture except for your saliva. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. And you know, and I've tried Science. I've tried other like <laughs> cotton candy ice cream stick, and maybe I could just buy that oh. and then just buy the pop rocks. Uh, the whatever however friendlies did it, it's just nothing compares. So I think well, sorry, sorry, I was just I was just gonna say I think you need to write a mixture of like a pop rocks or book rob. That mixes in with that wet lump of meat from the barbecue. <laughs> I'd rather have Pop Rocks than barbecue food. They, I said it. Pop Rocks doesn't last long in this house. If anybody makes the mistake of giving me Pop Rocks, that shit goes. And my wife was like, how about you have like normal food? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm like, daddy likey. So... I can't help it. It's delicious. It's fun that it pops. It feels good. I don't think I've actually had Pop Rocks since I was quite little. What? <laughs> being... what are you doing? You live in Japan, the land of fabulous creativity when it comes to snacks and treats. I watch YouTube. Yeah. They have Pop Rock there. <laughs> pop Rock barbecue sauce. They have sauce, Pop Rock-esque things. Yeah. Sure. They do. That's how... <laughs> Delicious. I would see pop rock barbecue sauce. I'd be all in on. That barbecue sounds sauce terrible. That pops. I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, has a cat. Catherine has a cat. <laughs> sweetness is sweetness. Pet alert. <gasps> yes, this is lemon jelly. Oh, <laughs> I am a fan of lemon jelly. I don't have any cats yet. I we want to get a whole puddle of cats. Do it. At least three. I started taking new allergy pills so I don't get itchy anymore, so that's fine. Mm -hmm. 
we want a pet real bad, but where we live right now, well, we're allowed to have pets that are in cages. So we have mm -hmm. a snake and we have fish, but I really want a dog. And every time I see someone walk a dog, I'm like, can I pet it? I'm just living vicariously through everyone near me that has a dog. Mm. But it'll be a while. A snake? A snake. Yes. Yes. His name is Pretzel. And he oh. is. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you put little hats on him? Yes. Oh, my God. We have one with with a little Santa hat. Gosh, I wish I could share that. <laughs> I don't I was, think I have it on my computer. I have it on my phone. But I started um, following this uh, this page on I think it was on TikTok, and it's called like like Danger Noodles with hats, and it's just this person yes. just has snakes with little funny hats. <laughs> oh my god, they're so cute when you put hats on them. He'll only put up with it for a little bit, but he'll let you if you can snap that picture. Oh, my husband's offering to get him. If no one has a phobia, do they? Man, no. no. Okay. Bring on the snake. Yeah, so <laughs> love pretzel. Pretzel uncomfortable. Uh, he's not a danger noodle, though. He wishes he was. No, what he's, oh, he's I, I, I don't want to be. Don't tell me. I was going to say what color is he, but like, I don't want to know yet. I want to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a, a ball python, which is basically like the divas of the of the uh, reptile pet world. So they're very picky about what they eat. Some of them will only eat in certain colors of mice. And there's what? also all, yeah, there's also um, every color snake you could possibly ask for because people breed them all the time. Since Good God, so not the dangerous. thing's huge. Aww. He's pretzel. Oh, look at that little fella. Yeah. Is it Cute, a boy or a girl? It's a boy. Cool. The girls get much bigger. So he's about half his size that he will be. So they live 15 to 20 years. So he's going to be growing for a long time. He's only a year and a half, maybe. So he's a little baby. Aww. He's waking up. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. yeah, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's um, my mom. When we, she first found out we got a snake, she was like, Taylor, absolutely not. Keep that overseas. Never bring that home. But then she came over and she stayed here. And then by the time she left, she was asking me, like, did you take Pretzel out of his cage today? Is he getting exercise? I'm like, so now you're a snake's right, snake's right activist? Like, what happened here? So he uh, he changed her mind a little bit. So What a cutie. Yeah, so he'll just hang out with us for a little while here. Nocturnal, so he's sleepy. Aw. What like all right? So like you you said you had to have something that's in a cage, so you were mm -hmm. like Let's get a snake, and that that was literally the decision making. That was it. Well, yeah. I mean, we wanted something. It, basically, you can't have things that make noise. Is the idea because we're in an apartment okay. complex, so sure. snakes don't make noise, and ball pythons are cute as you see. So both my husband and I thought they were cute, and we found a reptile store. We're like, let's just look. But if you know how that goes, <laughs> like once we held one, we were like, we have, yes, this is, this is it. This is what we're getting. <laughs> so uh, it was kind awesome. of, we sealed the deal that day, but uh, we do want to get one day, maybe a bearded dragon because they're incredibly oh, yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine had one of those growing up and it was so cool. I used to have yeah, a bearded dragon. Like, really? Yeah. Long, Did it respond long to its name or? Well, I mean, I changed just so I, I'd gotten him secondhand, and of course, I 
I changed his name because I thought the owner's original name was kind of dumb. I called him Jebediah, um, but he never responded to that. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you thought the original name was kind of dumb? Yes. Yes, What's wrong. the original name? I, I can't even remember. But, but anyway, I called him Jebediah. <laughs> but he, he was a cool, he was a really cool lizard. I had him <laughs> in my first apartment. And, um, but he uh, he had a lot of health issues anyway, and um, so he he didn't. I think he lived for maybe like a year or so after I had him. I mean, um, yeah. But you gave him was, a good home. Yeah, I did. I did. Je- Jebediah. Jebediah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's an awesome. I just name. like the way they run. They're so cute. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that harness you can put on where it gives him little wings. He's like a little dragon. I'm sure they hate it, but I, I think that's adorable too on Instagram. Yeah. We, I uh, I had a cat uh, when I was younger, and I put a bumblebee costume on him, and I put I put like the the um like the things on its head, and it just sat in the middle of the hallway and went like this, and just fell over sideways because it lost all sense of balance. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry, baby. And I took the thing off its head, and then it ran around. And I was like, all right, yeah. back to normal. Yeah. Bearded dragon named Bob. That's a cool yeah. name. That's as yeah. cool as, Be- as Jebediah. That's for Look, sure. Look, I'm just I I'm just one of those individuals that I like to give pets people names. I'm not for naming something, what? you know. I mean, nothing Pretzel. against you know peanut butter jelly. <laughs> but, but, hey, it's no. lemon jelly, not, not lemon peanut jelly. butter jelly. Sorry, sorry Catherine. Sorry, I've got COVID brain right now. <clears throat> no, but wow. no. I just I'm I'm all for giving pets people names. I just feel like it's more dignifying you know i've got our names for cats picked out and they're all french so i'm with you i'm with you but that jebediah is a lot that's a that's a bridge too far for me <laughs> hmm. lemon jelly is a good name for a cat pretzel's a good name for a snake well steve that's you're well, a dog's man. name terror right <laughs> so. yeah the bull or bull plug bull pug is terror i love bull pugs so much <laughs> it's like if i was to get a dog i told the wife i was like please can i get a bulldog i just or, or like a bull pug specifically i was like i just want to carry it around all the time like i just want to like have that with me i would be even more ridiculous cat you're making sort of a face i'd be even more ridiculous if i had a bull pug to carry around with me all the time yes i can only imagine he's pretty heavy you know he he worries me because he looks like a giant tootsie roll, but with like real little tiny legs. So I worry about his legs because it doesn't. He looks like he's gonna hurt himself all the time. But it's also a legendary candy. Tootsie rolls are crappy. <laughs> PL, do you have any pets? I have none. I we used to have a dog. Oh, wonderful, sweetest disposition. Uh, Maya, but she passed away. She was old. She was old. So, but since then we're. Now we're empty nesters, you know, no kids, just Deb and I. We, you know, we like, we live in an apartment now, so now we can just travel. You don't have to worry, okay, what are we going to do with the pet? And so it's kind of, you know, but and plus, to be honest with you, losing her was really hard, man. I, I, can't, I can't go through that. Like, I can't go through it anymore. It's just too tough to lose pets. Like, it's just, you're devastated for, you know, like so long. It just so, we said, no, that's it. So now we're, we're living the, the pet free footloose and fancy free lifestyle but you know uh yeah we, it was beautiful to have her she was just a wonderful oh, what a sweet dog she was just mm-hmm. yeah she's awesome but uh yeah no more pets yeah mm. 
we don't have any because uh the, the house we're in is a little on the small side my wife's a baker so like we you know introducing cats into a small house while she's doing all of her but like i'm not even kidding there's literally like 350 cookies downstairs right oh. now in various stages of decorating and uh having cats running around on top of that would make like life hell <laughs> so be very difficult but in the future nice. and emma comments a oh, little job i like it don't listen to them mike the <laughs> <laughs> uh, mythos jebediah is too far but let me jelly isn't <laughs> okay don't make the rules mythos managed okay i don't make the rules <laughs> i do um, a little jeb. That's not too bad. Little, there was, little jeb is cute. Yeah. That is cute. There was a period of time where mini pigs were popular as pets, but the problem is they don't stay mini. So, <laughs> like, they're, they're advertised as mini pigs, but they don't stay that way. So I remember it was maybe when I was in university, around that timing, a bunch of people were like, getting mini pigs, but they didn't live on a farm or anything. So it's like, what are you going to do? And that thing is... You live in an apartment. <laughs> like that thing's gonna get big, you know. Can I tell you? A I have no idea how that worked out, how that turned out, but I bet you a bunch of you know, sanctuaries suddenly got a bunch of pigs donated. <laughs> I have a terrible mini pig story to share. If I oh could. no. <laughs> so uh, I was a senior in high school, and uh, <laughs> uh, my friend Frazier had a mini pig, and. Uh, he came in one day and we were in English class together and I sat in the front and he sat next to me and uh, we were talking about how it was cheeseburger day and he looked like kind of depressed. I was like, what's wrong? He's like, my uh, my pig choked to death uh, last night on a grape. <laughs> and I just I was I don't know what happened, but I just lost it. I laughed so hard <laughs> and, I, and it's terrible because he was my friend. He's also dead now, but I laughed so hard. God, Rob. <laughs> Shit happens. Jesus. So one day we all will be. By the way, this is episode 69. Hey, so <laughs> I um <laughs> nice hashtag nice. So like he choked to the, the, the cat choked or the, the the mini pig choked to death on a grape because they can't chew them. Their their way their mouths work, they can't chew up the grape. Um, and I just, I lost it and I felt so bad. He didn't talk to me for like the rest of the day, but then we went out that night. It was fun. What? I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not a person. I, I couldn't help it that like the, uh, like that just tickled me in that moment. But then, you know, like it, it, the, I didn't laugh when my friend died. If that makes you all feel better. It happened when we were in Well, college. I mean, I have to give you a little bit of credit because if my friend just came out and said that. That would be the last thing I expected to hear. Right. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. Not not just that they passed away, but via grape would probably also make you chuckle. Choke on a grape. If it's frozen, I might understand. But yeah, it died. The end. Uh, Mythos comments. A friend had a mini pig. A year later, it was so big, and tried to eat people. Awesome. They're big animals, man. You know, yeah. it's like getting a getting a Great Dane puppy and not realizing how big it's gonna get. You know, and they things. smell right. Like, wouldn't they smell really bad? I don't know. Actually, I heard they're very, very clean. Pigs are. 
All right. I feel like that's mean. <laughs> if they don't have to like... roll in the mud to protect from the sun, they're pretty clean. I feel like that's mean material right there. Like the whole like you know like where it started, where it is now. Like you know, here's this little mini pig. Like I'm kind of carrying around a person, and like you know, a year later, <clears throat> it's one of those feral pigs from Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a wonderful side effect of owning a mini pig. You'd have something that could eat your enemies if you needed it. <laughs> no, that'd be a cool way to go. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> oh, no. I can think of a lot. No, I feel like everybody's like, Rob, you're such a monster for laughing at your friend's pet choking to death. Whatever. <laughs> A, a book that I recently felt really seen by was actually Small Miracles. It's a Spiffbo finalist book. Uh, it's a cozy, well, it is kind of a cozy fantasy. It's basically if Good Omens and The Good Place had a baby, it would be that book is the way that I talk about it. And there's a, a section in the book, though, where the author talks about chihuahuas and how they're just like the embodiment of rage <laughs> in a very, very funny, a very, very funny way. And I was like, yes, because I look, I'm sorry if you have someone watching has a chihuahua, but that's that's not a dog. That's just a bottle of rage that hates the world. OK, and they shake the shaking bottle of rage. And I felt very seen by that book. <laughs> I was like, it's not just me. <laughs> I've never met a chihuahua I liked mm. ever. Not a single time in my life. Every time I've seen one, it's just, I wish something bigger would come and eat it. Because it's just the worst <laughs> dog. My aunt has one. That thing sucks. <laughs> Get a cool dog. Get like a mid-sized fun dog at the very least, you know? That's my that's my two cents when it comes to dogs. Get a bull pug. That's cute and fun. Yeah, he is pretty cute. Yeah. He is cute. Or get a black cat like Mike's got. Yeah. Or or three. <laughs> yeah, God, I can't wait. <laughs> I just want to be awash in a sea of cats. Oh man, I have <clears throat> I'll have to show you some pictures later. Um, of course, like the cats, they were like comforting me while I was quarantining in the bedroom. And um this one right here, he's my uh my little snuggle buddy. This one, I don't know what his deal is, but <clears throat> like when I was working third shift a while back. And I would come home at like six or seven in the morning. He would, you know, my wife said that he was always pacing around all night just waiting for me. And when I'd come home, he does this thing where uh, like I'll get in the bed and he'll face me and then wrap his arms around my neck and like hold me like a fucking teddy bear. Aww. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. Don't feed him a grape. <laughs> <laughs> Potster. Potster. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. There's kitty hugs. So, uh, Kat, how is, uh, how is Colin doing? Uh, good. I think he is downstairs watching TV. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's good. He, uh, has been selling lots of bikes and boats. That's good news. Yeah, he did a pretty pretty good job uh, selling books too at the con. Yeah, no, he's he's very adaptive. He can sell anything basically. He's just he's he's got a a charm. He's really good. 
<laughs> he chased me down when I left my credit card at your table. Yes, he did. That was cool of him. Yes. I, I was just going to keep it, but, you know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I felt like an idiot when he came running up to me and handed it to me. I was like, oh, thanks. I mean, that was a that was a very rough morning. So I'm glad that he was on top of it because I was not. Yeah, you were in bad shape and blaming it on me. Yes. That's life. It's your fault. <laughs> really, like, honestly, I think what happened is I ordered the drink before you went to bed. And then it took a while for that drink to come. Oh, they and were slow. Yeah. The one I should not have had was the one extra drink that I should not have had. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone to bed if they didn't make me. So you needed uh, to go. you needed to go to bed. Yeah. Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss yeah. being in my early 30s when I could just go hard in the paint and not feel anything <laughs> and in, in the moment, you know? The good old days. I miss those days a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Early 30s here and I already can't do that. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that's like that's how I think about my mid 20s. I'm like, "Oh, I could hang then." Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't get really easier in your mid fifties. I can tell you, I can tell you that. that. It does not get easier. So you have nothing to look forward to there. Great. <laughs> Can't wait to get there. Uh, I'm so much comments. more worried about like my physical things as opposed to like being able to party all night kind of thing. But like, I, I'm just like every day I wake up and I'm like, oh my knee. Oh, my shoulder. It's just like I, I laid on my right side last night and in the middle at like three or four in the morning, I woke up and the entire right side of my body felt like it was on fire. And I was like, well, I guess it's time to turn. And then I felt like I was dying. It was awful. Everything hurts. But alcohol doesn't hurt. You just get grateful as you get older. You're just, hey, I'm still here. That's that's what happens. Just, yeah, exactly. Grateful day. Grateful. Yep, still here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Mythos has uh, Chinese crestheads, the ball dogs. They're small, but at least they're funny to look at. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know what that is. I'm gonna look it up. You know, when you when you go to cities, especially Toronto, big city in Canada, like a lot of people have um, dogs, pets, dogs, especially that fit in like purses and small bags, right? So a lot of people and uh, some apartments only allow you to have a dog that's so big. So like smaller dogs are really popular right there, right? But, um, you know, they don't tend to live as long, is my understanding, just like dogs are too big to live as long. And I don't, I, you know, like I said, it was, all, you know, the hard part about pets is losing them. I mean, like, you know, have a, a pet that you're just going to only have for a really short period of time, especially like a, a close companion, like a dog or a cat that's around you all the time, like physically, like, yeah, that'd be tough. A friend of mine had a teacup Yorkie and it lived like six years and that was it. And then it was ball game over. And I was like, how, what? And uh, that thing sucked also, but <laughs> it was like so tiny and weird. And it's like, who would want this? This is disgusting. It's like a mouse. Um, but yet yeah, only lived six years. I don't know. I, like, and he told me they don't live very long at all. So 
I don't know. Very weird. And our, our friend Matt from Matt's Fantasy Book Reviews uh, just wanted to pipe in that this beer-to-human ratio pleases me. <laughs> but, uh, Rob, come on. you got to grow it out. I'm so sorry. I, I don't mean yeah. to disrespect you, Matt's <laughs> Fantasy Book Reviews. Good. How dare you? Jeez. And uh, yes, can confirm he is obsessed with me because I am the human treat dispenser. And he spends his days on the couch, the spot on my couch or under my desk, just hanging out, waiting for me. Oh. So. That's awesome. He's probably fat because I give him treats all the time. It's probably awesome. my fault. But he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> he's happy and I'm happy. So. The name Terror is great, too. It's an mm -hmm. awesome name. Yeah, he's named after the the bulldog from the boys uh, comic. So. Oh, nice. Okay, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's uh, he's quite he's quite the character. I think he's more bulldog than pug. He just sits around. He'll lay on you and stay there for like hours if you don't move him. So hmm. he's pretty lazy. Kind of reminds me of uh, we have some pets. We have two dogs in the states, and both of them are obsessed with my mom, but. What is that? Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I didn't think it was gonna come to the mic. I'm I'm, just, I'm watching my son on the uh, on the his camera. Oh, okay. I, I thought I, I had that like, low enough. There, I was like, is there a ghost in my house? Like, what's going on? <laughs> he sounds like it sometimes. I'm just I'm just doing this, but like low key freaking out because you know I've been taking care of him all week like normal, and like I just tested positive for COVID yesterday mm. so there were days mm. before where i probably was contagious and i'm like holding him and all this stuff so now i'm freaking the fuck out because i'm thinking oh my god he you know and he's already you know compromised anyway so i'm like kind of watching him on that and my wife was texting me earlier asking if um he sounded louder than normal so that's that's what that was it's not a ghost it's my wheezy <laughs> son important yeah very important you do the that, joys so. of parenthood yeah <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> um, I was just going to say that one of the dogs, their names are Bo and Colonel, and Colonel is obsessed with my mother. He has separation anxiety. If she leaves without him, he he will stay under the bed and be depressed mm -hmm. until she comes home, which is very annoying if she's gone for a while and you have to take him for a walk because you have to drag him out from under the bed. But he truly has separation anxiety from my mom. I don't know. They're rescues, so we think that they might have been, they've gone through some stuff. They, they're afraid of newspapers, things mm -hmm. like that. So they were definitely hit when they were in their previous home. But um, yeah, they're very sensitive boys. <laughs> so yeah, okay. she's got a shadow. My wife and I got to cat sit for a friend of mine um, last summer. Um, so we went up to their house in the Catskills and... Uh, this little black cat named JD named after Christian Slater's character and Heather's <laughs> like <laughs> hanging out with this cat. And they were like, Oh, he might be a little shy when you first get there. And he like loved me immediately. And I was like, Oh, like you're my friend. And uh, so every time I see my friend, Sasha, um, if she has the cat, like, so she has a, they have a house in the Catskills and they have a uh, loft in uh, Koreatown. So they take the cat with them. So when they're in Koreatown, I get to go and see the cat. And they're like, look. And I'm like, oh, my boy, my sweet boy. <laughs> and uh, he's just the coolest cat ever. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love him. 
I know we're uh, coming up over an hour and a half, almost two hours. But before we wrap up, I wanted to ask everyone, all the horror, author, all the horror authors here, uh, what what is the appeal of horror to you? What do you enjoy? I think Kat, I think you've answered this one before, but see if your answer has changed. It's been a little bit. I don't remember what my answer was the first time, um, but I just like writing scary stuff. I you know it's it's just a good way to examine my own fears and challenge them and write about them. And, um, but most of all, I just love to write spooky stuff and sad stuff. I love to write sad stuff too. So can yeah. confirm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, my Mike? What's, what is the appeal of horror for you? <clears throat> I mean, with me, it's just, it's something that's just ingrained in my DNA. Um, my mom is from as early on as I can remember. She raised me on <clears throat> like universal, uh, the universal monsters, things like that. And my, my favorite memories of mom were going by. I can't remember what, what the drugstore it was back then. If it was a chain or an old mom and pop shop, but we used to go there and um, around Halloween and get the VHS tapes of like Dracula and, um, Frankenstein, Creature Black Lagoon, and stuff like that, and binge those. And then as I got older, it was like Hammer Horror and everything Christopher Lee, everything Vincent Price, things like that. So it's just something that's just always been just in my DNA. Um, but I love horror because I feel like as a genre, whether it's, whether it's film or literature, it's, it's a very fluid genre. Um, it's not, like it's never stagnant. It's, it's one of those things where it changes as we change because you know fear is this it's like a um how do i put this like an equalizer yeah it's i was gonna say it's almost like it's it's an emotional response that's very darwinian um you know the things that scared us you know hundreds of years ago you know don't matter nowadays you know if you think about like back in the <clears throat> in like the 1600s you know, if you were a white woman and you knew how to add one and one, you know, you were going to be killed as a witch. You know, I mean, that's just the way it was. But, you know, I remember growing up here in Jerry Falwell town and I went to Christian um, daycares and they, despite being a Christian daycare here in the Bible Belt, right around the corner from Jerry Falwell. I mean, we decorated for Halloween with little cartoon witches with the little cartoon dragons and things like that. So, you know, fear, it evolves as we evolve, you know, it's just like as our worlds change, you know, the things that scares change, you know, the things that scares in the seventies and eighties, you know, are kind of relevant now and that kind of thing. And I feel like that's just one of those, that to me is the appeal of horror is that it's, it's always, there's always something new, you know, um, there's always something new to look forward to. I like that. I think um, when it comes to horror, I like being able to tell a story about something else through the lens of something scary, whether it's like a story about, um, you know, societal um, upheaval or something like that, or something about class or race or whatever. I think uh, being able to do that through the lens of horror is more exciting than anything else. Telling a, you know, reading a book about a family uh, going through turmoil is interesting, but 
reading a book about a family going through turmoil with a ghost is a lot more interesting. The writing, love your writing, Kat. Thank I you. Love, I love your writing too, Kat. Me too. Aww. Me too. That's, that's good, good stuff. What Robert said just kind of reminded me of um, the way people talk about fantasy. It's like yeah. you can have a, a family-based story, but if you throw a dragon in there, I mean, that's only a positive. <laughs> it's like a, like a net positive <laughs> if you throw a dragon in there. It's a uh, same vibes. Didn't they pitch uh, Game of Thrones as the Sopranos meets Lord of the Rings? Like, literally, mm -hmm. wasn't that how they pitched it to HBO? And it's basically I have no idea. It's like but a family. Did, that's not right. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, is how they pitched it, as far as I know, as far as I've heard. Yeah, right. So it makes sense. It's just a family story that happens to have dragons and you know some other things or whatever. But yeah, yeah. So uh, before we go, if everyone can uh, tell us where to find them, where's the best place to, to contact you? Uh, Tilly, will you kick us off with where people can find you? Sure. So the best place is probably on my BookTube channel, May Between the Pages, which you can see below. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, just to reiterate, I am a co-host of Page Chewing with PL and Steve. So you'll see me on Steve's channel often. And we also have a lot of episodes over on my channel. I know that Steve and I both have a playlist though with all of the episodes from both channels. So feel free to check those out. You can also find me over on Before We Go blog, uh, which is a review blog website uh, where I'm an assistant editor. I'm also part of the Spiffbo 8 review team there. Uh, the last reviews are coming out soon. So yay for that. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I talk about books over there, but my Twitter handle is always linked in the description of my videos, uh, as well as my Goodreads and all that. So if you go to one of my videos, you can find all the other places where I am on the interwebs. So that's pretty much all. Nice. MPL? Uh, Taylor said a lot of it from besides Steve and Taylor on page chewing on their channels. Uh, at some point down the road, my channel as well, because I will be starting a YouTube channel. Uh, again, as Taylor said, before we go blog, where I'm also an assistant editor and a blogger, so reviews there. I'm also part of the SPFPO judging team too. Uh, reviews on Goodreads, and I typically uh, tweet out a lot of my reviews on Twitter. Twitter is my preferred social media platform. Yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but much more infrequently, but Twitter, at P.L. Stewart writes. And for the books, uh, www.plstewart.com, The Drawn Kingdom Saga, uh, two books out already. And the third one, Lord and King, is coming uh, next week for uh, online the publisher, Freezing Press, and then wider Amazon network. Thank you. Um, in the uh, first week of May, somewhere around there. So, yep. And once I forgot to say, I was remiss. Congratulations, uh, Catherine, on your new book, on the book launch. So, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah. So, Kat, where's the best place to find you? Um, I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Goodreads, YouTube, all over the place. You can usually find me at Catherine Silva Author because there are way too many Catherine Silvas in the world. Um, and Catherine Silva underscore on Twitter. That's my preferred place to hang out. Yeah. And you also do interviews, right? 
I do, uh, I do an interview series, but only during the winter, which is January through March for me. Um, that is on YouTube. It's called Winter Views, and it's typically 10 to 11 episodes per season. We have authors on to talk about subgenres and horror, and it's loads of fun. Rob is on this season. You know it. <laughs> I was honored to be on it. You're the only Catherine Silva that matters to me, by the way. Oh, <laughs> what about you mike where's the best place to find you and your work so i am on all of the um the social medias i'm on twitter instagram tiktok goodreads facebook etc <clears throat> i do have a website but it is still under construction um but you can find my stuff on any of you can find links to any of my books <clears throat> on um any of those sites um i'm usually on instagram most of the time um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's about it for me. Yes. And, uh, you can find me on all of the aforementioned things, uh, Twitter and Instagram are the same at Robert Otone. Um, I'm on TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing. I did my first stitch today. Um, Wendy Dalrymple was sweet enough to do a, a video of my book. I don't know if I'm doing anything right. I had a mask on. I was at school. I don't know. But I'm at Robert underscore P underscore O-Tone on the TikTok. Um, but yeah, I'm on uh, other things. You can find my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the usual suspects, um, wherever fine and super shady books are sold. <laughs> Well, I am so I'm so thrilled to have all of you here tonight. I'm so I was so excited. So thank you all for your time. And I know everyone's busy with books to write and books to read and blurbs to write and all that other stuff. So thank you so much. Yeah. For taking your time to hang out. Really, really appreciate it. So hope everyone thank has you for, a great Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. And it mm -hmm. was lovely to meet PL and Taylor yeah. and not to be insulted too much by Catherine and getting to see Michael's <laughs> beautiful face, getting to hear your wonderful voice, Steve. You're you're an angel from heaven. Um, so yeah, it was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, she, Kat was pretty nice to you, though. I mean, you know, she There's, was pretty uh, nice. I was expecting a lot more heckling from Todd. All good. <laughs> Todd didn't heckle much, um, which is nice. He and I were talking all day. I think he's all heckled out. Oh, thank you, Em. Yeah. Very sweet. Yeah, Em's great. <laughs> But uh, thank, thanks to all of you again for taking the time to hang out, to come and chat. And uh, we will hopefully talk to all of you soon. So yeah. everyone have a great weekend. You too. Bye.